Hello. What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Multiracial Mental Health Podcast, where each month we explore the complexities of mental health through the lens of multiracial identity. My name is Shireen Shuai, and I'm a licensed psychotherapist and mixed race woman of Black and Iranian descent. And I'm Madrone Love, a fellow therapist and mixed race woman of African American and Scottish Canadian descent. Together, we're here to bring you informative and authentic conversations with experts in the field of multiracial mental health. Hello again, everyone. Today, we're talking with Dr. Jennifer Noble, who will speak with us about her experiences as a multiracial therapist and parenting coach, and will give us her thoughts on what mixed race children need from their loved ones in order to develop secure identities. Dr. Jen is a licensed psychologist, coach for parents of mixed race children, and loves working with adolescents. She's the creator of the Mixed Life Academy, an online coaching community for parents of mixed race kids, helping them raise confident, resilient children. She has a private practice in Los Angeles, where she works with teens, their parents, women of color, and other marginalized groups. She also taught collegiate-level psychology courses for more than 15 years. Her passion for identity freedom and the mixed race experience are fueled by her lived experience as an African-American and Sri Lankan Tamil woman. All right, so let's get into it. Yeah. Well, hello, thanks for having me. Yes, <laughs> welcome. welcome. Mm-hmm. I love the I love the professional podcast voices. I feel like uh-huh. I'm, on, I'm on NPR. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to be official. Yeah, yeah. Doing, our, doing our darndest. So why don't we start with, Jen, um, if you can fill us in on what made you decide to become a multiracial focus therapist and how does your own background shape the way you approach your work? Yeah, well, um, I mean, let's see if I go back a little bit. I knew I wanted to be a psychologist. And so, you know, went through that process and stuff. And, and um, I worked in, you know, various community-based agencies, et cetera. So I've always sort of focused on marginalized populations, but uh, along with the teens. So it's usually been children and teens, but always marginalized populations. And then on the side, I was connected to a nonprofit, which is called a Multiracial Americans of Southern California. And so I would work with them kind of outside of my therapy work and training and all of that. So I would do seminars or events with them and just do planning and things. And that's kind of where I got my fix for like being in the mixed race community and like working and advocating and stuff like that. And so we would do these programs where we would kind of invite families or parents um, or even if it was just a regular old, let's meet and have a happy hour and watch some stand-up comedy um, with a bunch of mixed race people, there would always be this moment where people would talk about their upbringing. They would share just such personal things and wish, um, it, it would always come to like a wish for, gosh, I just wish my parents would have found an organization like this or put me around more mixed people or talked about this or told me that. And I just kept hearing that over and over and so down the road, I, it just kind of hit me. I'm like, wait a minute. Cause I would be like, I'd be like, gosh, someone needs to work with these people. And how come no one's helping the parents and the parents need this. And if someone could just tell them, and then I was like, oh, 
I'm trained to do that. Like, why uh, am I separating it? You know? And so that's when I was like, okay, when I start my private practice, I'm going to make sure that I put all of that up front and center. Like I'm still going to work with everyone. Um, by no means do I exclude, you know, other folks, but I was just like, people need to know that someone is out there that focuses on that. And then, like I said, I, I, because I work with teens and kids, I've worked a lot with parents and I really enjoy working with parents as it relates to helping their kid. Right. So that was just another thing of like, okay, I should be the one to say that I do this and put those um, services out there. If I'm continually complaining that they're not, <laughs> let me just fill in the gap a little bit. So yeah, that's how that came to be. Well, you know, talking about how you're working with parents, um, you know, what are what are some common concerns or or questions that you tend to receive from, you know, in particular, you know, monoracial parents of mixed kids? How do you address mm -hmm. those? I think the most common ones are just being concerned about their child's maybe social interactions, worrying about you know group belonging and group membership for their for their kid. Um, not really being sure how to address concerns that their teens bring up. So if the teen comes home and says, oh, people said this about me, the parents are like, oh, we're not sure what to say in response or, or how to help them through these things. Um, so I think it's a lot of, you know, because of teenagers, it's all about socializing and finding your group and finding your people. So I, I think at least in that regard, it's a lot of worry about will my kid find their group? Um, how can we help them feel comfortable to join the various groups that they're a part of? Um, how can we encourage them to, you know, join the fill in the blank student association that's associated with, you know, an ethnic group and their culture. Um, and then besides that, it might be, uh, depending on the family structure, how can I expose them to culture when one of the parents is not present? Um, or we don't get along well and my kid is really wanting to connect to blah, blah culture, but I don't know how to give it to them. You know, those are pretty common on behalf of uh, parents. But I think mixed race adults um, who I also see, I think really common things that bring that I see with them is also around social, but but a little bit different. I feel like I'm seeing a kind of a hyper a hyper awareness and therefore like an, an on edge sort of increased anxiety about when they walk into spaces, how people are perceiving them, receiving them, um, just overthinking even the smallest interaction of how someone says hi to them, but says hi to someone else differently. What does that mean? Should I not be here? Should I be quiet? Should I go to the corner? Um, so, and just kind of really seeing how on so many levels, their social interaction is not so relaxed and organic because they are constantly wondering how people are, you know, whether they feel, you know, allowed to be in a space, if I put it that way. Mm -hmm. And so how do you support a client who's having this concern that others are judging them, that they don't fit in? Uh, yeah, I mean, support them. I think a lot of times it's helping them see that they're doing that, um, that they kind of sense it on one level, but then kind of really showing them the depth of how often they do that. And then sort of going back to 
why do you think you do that? Let's talk about where some of these behaviors would have come from because I'm kind of normalizing it and making it okay to say, look, this is a way that you're coping. This is fine. You had a, you developed the skill for a reason. Um, so let's go back to where you needed to first develop it and kind of understand why you did, how it helped you then. But then you can fast forward and be like, okay, well, it's not helping you as much now. So mm-hmm. how are some ways we can shift it? How can we shift your understanding of yourself? How can we talk about, you know, systemic structures that made you have to do that, that aren't your fault at all. So now you can be like, F the system and just kind of boldly resist and exist. Um, You know, so it's a kind of talking around all of that to sort of help them self-reflect and be like, oh yeah, I don't have to like tiptoe around. I should just be able to be boldly myself where I go. I didn't, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, I realize as we're getting deeper into this conversation, I'm, I'm wanting to take a, a step back. Um, and I'd love to hear more about what brought you to the multiracial association in um, Southern mm-hmm. California. What, what in you, what about your history, about your lived experience got yeah. you in this, in, in that organization and then into the field? Yeah, that's actually a really good question. I, I was in college and, um, I was, I think in college, I was kind of experimenting a little bit more with my kind of mixed race background, just kind of um, being more involved with the South Asian side on our campus. So we have like South Asian um, student association, things like that. So then I was just thinking about it more because I was sort of bringing my self, uh, my mixed race self into a more public space where I was normally if I was around South Asians, it would be like family and and family friends, you know? So um, then because I was doing that, I started doing, I had to do an independent study for one of my psych classes. And so I chose to look up something, or I don't know what the topic was, but you know, something around mixed race. So then I was kind of searching for research and I was just like blown away because, you know, I probably was a teenager still, maybe 19 or something, but I was just like, oh, people write research articles about this group. Like I've never Ah. heard of that before. (laughs) So I'm like finding all these articles. And then I was really blown away because I I kept reading a lot of articles and they were, you know, mixed, you know, and it was always focused like black, white, mixed. And I was like, okay, cool. Like reading this, reading racial identity, like development, you know, um, models and stuff. But then I found um, a couple articles on black and Japanese. And I was like, what? Like, there's people there's so many that there's enough to like do a research because you know at that point you know probably somewhere (laughs) in my mind I'm like I'm I'm one of the only ones out here you know there's nobody else okay so I was just like whoa there's enough black and Japanese people to write research what else could I find so somehow in finding all those articles I came across something that was about mask the the um you know multiracial Americans of Southern California so when I found out when I found out about them through that process, I joined them as a member. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. But even though I was in Michigan, I was like, I'm still gonna join. And so I started getting, you know, correspondence from them. And I even went to like a one or two conferences that they held um over long, long ago. And um that was actually one of the first times I met um Dr. Maria Root. And I wish oh. I wish I 
Yeah, I wish I could ask her like what it probably was like to meet me if she remembered because I again I was just like nineteen you know year old me and I'm just like hi. Um, I really like your research. I, I read it and yeah. she's like, oh, you know, what do you want to know? And I'm like, I just didn't have any good questions. And I was just like, oh my God, you're so cool. Like that's what I just felt like fangirling probably. Um, but yeah, so that's how I, I got into it is, you know, from my own kind of research. Um, and once I was a member of the organization, I think little by little, it was sort of shifts were made and they were looking for people to be more involved and so that's when I um that's when I was in grad school so I kind of agreed to sort of like be an officer and be behind the scenes kind of helping plan and stuff and I really enjoyed it I mean I, I still am very connected to all the people and I don't know how much both of you know but that was during the time when there was like AMIA was still um active the Association of Multi-Ethnic Americans there was even a magazine called Maven. Maven was an organization. I remember that one. Yeah. 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 So it's like, I still have Maven magazines on my coffee table because I'm oh, like, this, this was important. Digitize them. Yeah. yeah, I should. Yeah. So, you know, it was that to me, was it was all like a very, really invigorating time, like meeting all these different people, um, advocate type people from all over the country. So I really liked being a part of all of that. Mm. Yeah. And you connected with Mask while you were in Michigan. Are you originally from LA? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm born and raised here okay. in Southern California. Yeah. <laughs> I always say I'm a Cali snob. I was born by the beach and I complain about everybody else's weather. <laughs> Cali girl here too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> North Carolina. Really mm-hmm. Bay Area, but you know. <laughs> yeah, Bay Area. So. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm. Um resonating as I think many mixed people do with uh, that search for identity. And then particularly as someone uh, with kind of a dual minority mix and that mm-hmm. idea of like, okay, I'm maybe one of like 10 people in the world or something, yeah. you know, that, that um, I'm black and Persian. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm interested in, in hearing your thoughts on, you know, parenting kids who mm you know, who share that kind of a background, right? And and I wonder if there are any, yeah. di- uh, like, differences or similarities that you see among um, yeah. monoracial parents of color, right, mm-hmm. when they approach parenting their mixed kids versus maybe a white parent. Yeah. I, yeah, there are definitely differences. I think, um, by and large, what I find is that white parents tend to say, I I won't know... I won't know how to understand this sort of different treatment based on race. I don't know how to conceptualize it. You know, I don't know what to say. And most of what what they mean is that they won't be able to pull from their own personal experience. Right. So they feel that so deeply. Like, I, I just won't know what to say because I didn't go through it. But I see that they are, but I just don't have anything to pull from. Um, and they may say other things too, but mainly it comes down to that of like, gosh, I wish I could just understand or speak to it in some way. But the parents of color, I find that they have a different sort of moment um, of awakening. It's sort of like they thought, oh, I'm already a person of color in the world and I know what it's like to be marginalized and maltreated. But then when their kid comes to be, their mixed race child exists, they're sort of like, oh, wait, it's still different. Like, and, and oh no, like- yes. I thought yeah. I was 
super prepared, but now I feel at a loss again. And depending on how aware they are of that, they either say that and say, I thought I knew, but I have no idea. Or they do the other side, which is go with what they know and try to kind of push that on their kid. Not, not in a negative way, but just, they're just like, okay, I'm just going to double down on it. So if I'm, you know, if I'm West Indian, you are too. And we're just going to go with that. And and I don't know how to acknowledge this other piece that you're telling me. And I, I'm just going to do what I know how to do, which is fine but it's it's a matter of helping them see like wait there there's still another piece of this puzzle that we've got to address you know um i think that's that's the top for me and then um another one that comes up quite a bit especially with parents of color who have darker brown skin whatever they feel is a a more recognizably brown skin and then if their kid is much much lighter that's very disruptive for the parent, I think. It, it often can bring up their own internalized, you know, uh, even either their internalized value of the lighter skin um, or their internalized kind of unprocessed stuff about their own darker skin. Mm -hmm. um, it also brings up their own views of whether their kid is allowed to claim the darker group anymore and I, I I find it fascinating but I meet a lot of parents that are like well I don't really know if I can say that my kid is you know I don't know Mexican anymore or black anymore because they look like blah 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 and I'm like what mm -hmm. <laughs> listen to yourself like yeah but because they're it's almost like they know who their partner is they know the choices they made they know the whole process of creating their family but when the skin color is right in front of them they forget everything and they're just like, well, you're too light, so you can't be it. And I'm like, um, this is the thing. This is the problem. <laughs> like, how are we not seeing this as a problem? Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's it's a struggle. I mean, I'm I'm kind of half laughing, but I like I said, I've met a lot of parents that are just like, I don't know that I'm gonna I, I'm thinking of two parents that are of African descent, right? Um, African diaspora, and both of them were saying, I I am not sure I'm okay with my child claiming to be of African descent. And I'm like, you're literally their parent. Yeah. But they're just like, but look at them, you know, but look at their hair, look at their face, look at their skin. And I, I, I to me, I'm still like, whoa, like, yeah, yeah. whoa. Yeah, and so up. how do you respond to that? How do you support that parent? I mean, you, it's a lot of, it's a lot more talking of like, okay, like, I mean, I'm very much going to say what I just said, like, listen to what you just said. You're literally their parent. What is preventing that? What, why are they not allowed all of a sudden to be related to all of your ancestors anymore, just because of what they look like? And then we can talk about like, where did they get their definitions of what a race should look like? By and large, it's going to come back to their own experience of like, look, when I walk down the street, I'm treated this way, this way. There's no way that, you know, my kid is going to have this experience, that experience. And so they're defining a lot of what it means to be a member of that group by the experiences you'll have. Mm -hmm. So we have to validate that and say, okay, yes, a big part of, let's say in this case, you know, being of African descent is that you might experience uh, anti-Blackness. Okay. 
and maybe your child may not experience as much um, compared to your experience. But there's so much more to blackness than the, uh, you know, discrimination and the, you know, the the prejudice that you might experience. So let's help you focus on the the broader culture, the the centuries long connections through foods and music, and so once you kind of bring the you know um what's how do you say kind of like pan out that the like i'm thinking of like a film like bring the perspective a lot wider then they can start to be like oh okay yes right so they still do count and now it's just a matter of helping them navigate their skin color and whatever other phenotype things that might bring them a little bit of privilege that you didn't have Mm -hmm. let's that you can manage but you you don't get to kick them all the way out Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, I just watched that HBO documentary, 1000%. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's about the mixed kids and also their parents. And yeah. I, I noticed that the parents mm-hmm. had a lot of opinions about their children's identities. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm curious mm-hmm. about your opinion about that. Lee. What, what role do parents play in shaping their children's identities and um, yeah. like, do they have a right to tell their children to, how to identify? I mean, I, I think they have a right to tell their child who they are. I, I lean more towards don't tell them how to identify, but help them understand who they are. So if your kid wants to run around the house saying I'm black, I'm black. And I'm thinking, let's say they're black and Filipino or something. Cause you made me think of a couple of families in the documentary that were black and Filipino. But let's say they run around the house saying that you don't have to stop and say, no, this is not what you are. Or, oh, yes, that is exactly how you identify. But you could be like, all right, that's what you're saying. But, you know, you're you also have, you know, it's kind of like just a reminder of like you are multiple. The 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 truth is you are multiple and how you choose to identify is going to be up to you at any given point in time. So. I know a lot of parents try to, they think they're helping by saying, look, this is how the world is going to treat you and they're going to see you this way. So guess what? You're just black and, or, you know, whatever the situation is, just be this. Mm -hmm. You can go the other way too. You know what? You look really neutral and ambiguous. So just go with that. Like, don't, just don't tell people and just, you know be more white and you fit in. So it's fine. Like all those and anything in between can happen, but I would rather help parents present a more fuller picture and let the kid do what, do what they will with the information, Mm. you know? I love this so much. Mm -hmm. No, I really do. And, you know, just, um, you know, nuances of of my own upbringing and, you know, Mm. just the ideas Mm -hmm. of parents, you know, they're, they're, they're doing their best, of course, but, um, you know, sometimes inadvertently, um, just echoing the larger, um, kind of mainstream languaging. Yeah. Um, and, uh, maybe not speaking or acknowledging kind of the inclusiveness of a child's identity, right. right? Not embracing that or acknowledging that or, you know, for their own reasons, Mm -hmm. but, um, Mm -hmm. that, that you're really helping them recognize that and, and really, uh, you know, just be vocal about that with their kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 
something that I think I'm aware of, like you said, because of personal experience. I've certainly um, grown up with my own father. If he wanted to give me a lesson about something, it was a lot of times he'd be like, well, look, you're black and you can do it because you're black. And I'm like, uh, okay. okay, you know, I'm like, got it. Also, in my head, I'm like, also, dad, like, <laughs> you're kind of forgetting uh-huh. something, you know, or my mom would do the same thing. Well, you know, because this is, you're a Sri Lankan girl. I'm like, okay, you, you both, this is fascinating. You know, I'm like, you both know who I am, right? And you, you both know that, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. how are you forgetting the other side so easily? But I understand where it comes from. It's like, they see in their child, this is a part of me. And so I try to help parents say, okay, it is a part of you and they are a product of someone else as well. And that, that has importance and it must be recognized. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you, you've talked a little bit about language. Um, you know, what, what terms do you tend to use for yourself and with clients when you're discussing, you know, multiracial, multi-heritage identity? Um, terms. I mean, I, I tend to lean towards i've gone through a whole spectrum i used to use multiracial all the time um i guess i should say the terms i use i think are influenced by the research i read so i i remember seeing research with biracial but I, i don't know very quickly somewhere in my mind i kind of leaned away from it because i was like wait you know, there are other people that are like three and four backgrounds and I didn't feel like biracial would, you know, encompass them. So pretty soon somewhere around that thought, I would see multiracial show up and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That's what it is. I like that term. So I would run with that. And then of course, like I said, the nonprofit that I worked with, that was a term they use. Um, and I saw that in a lot of research and then mixed race started appearing quite a bit. And um, I, I don't know why, but my feeling was that sometimes in other environments, you would see multiracial being used to explain multiple racial groups in one place. Right. Yep. And so maybe it wasn't always clear what we were talking about. And so once I kind of started seeing that, like organizations like, yes, we're a multiracial organization. I'm like, wait, what? Oh, okay. No. So, you just mean diverse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I was like, oh, okay. So then, like I said, I saw like mixed race would come in. Um, and once I saw that more in research, and then of course, like with uh, critical mixed race studies, I was like, okay, I'm just going to kind of lean on this term. I still okay. can use multiracial, biracial, you know, all depends, but I tend to just default to mixed race the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's helpful. That's helpful in, in rooting it in kind of how it's used popularly and just aligning with what makes most sense yeah yeah um you know so we we are in this multiracial clinicians group together yeah and it's been wonderful hearing about your experience as a clinician and one of the stories that stood out to me was uh, i believe you had a client who was saying something about their hair their curly hair and you were like let me just show you let me just hands on let me somehow you could gave them some kind of yeah. Help. And yeah. um, so can we talk about hair? Does it come up? Yeah. Does it come up? Yeah. Has it come up, you know, with other clients? How do yeah. you support them? Do you always kind of show them exactly what to do or you listen? Yeah. How do you how do you support the, the mixed yeah. hair struggle? 
Oh, I think that's a great question. It, it definitely comes up um, with that particular client. He was, you know, he was a little bit, well, he's young-ish. He's in his 20s. Um, and he took the, he felt safe enough to say, what do you put in your hair? Because he, oh, he always wears a big and curly. Um, and so we sort of have a similar style. His is just a little bit more free. I, I, I guess mine is a little more tame. So when he said that, I was like, oh, easy. Let's talk about this is the this is the product I use. I'll send you the link when I'm done. And you just, you know, you want to take it section by section. He was just like, so, um, and he was like, I never get to talk about this with anyone. And I think literally the next week he showed up in session. He was like, look, I did it. And he's like, I really like it. It feels great. And I was like, you know, wonderful. And I'm glad that we could talk about it, you know, but I think with other mixed race, um, clients I've had discussions around how they feel about their hair um, in different hairstyles maybe one that's struggling to wear it curly for example and feels for many different reasons a pressure to always straighten it or um, that another client feels that feels more beautiful when her hair is straight versus when it's curly or just learn she's kind of on this journey of like trying to embrace and see herself as beautiful regardless of how her hair is styled and um you know just a lot of a lot of just leftover stuff around how our own kind of european beauty standards influence hair and then how people try to handle that whether it's just well then i'm always going to wear it straight and never ever wear it curly or fight myself to get to a place where I can wear it curly and, and accept myself that way. So I, I think it actually does come up quite a bit, especially with teenagers too. Um, a lot of my teen clients, especially, I actually have two teen clients that are both, to simplify, they both have one Black parent and both have one like European um, parent where one has a mom who is the black parent and is able to do certain styles and help a little bit with hair and the other is not as the european parent and she is she's very much like I, I don't really know how to help her do it better i'm taking her to my own friends i'm taking her to the salons and then you can see the difference with how they both um manage caring for and styling their hair and you know and and the mom is kind of seeing one of the moms is kind of like I I know she needs to brush more or, or wash more often, but I I don't know how to help her get the right stuff to do so. Mm. You know I I have a you know just follow up question around that. Um, oh. You know just such an interesting um, and important topic also about you know working with a a kid and. Um, just addressing the ways that, you know, depending on which parent mm-hmm. is, yeah. um, you know, which parent is which race and and how that influences right. maybe how the, the child identifies or right. um, how the child might feel resourced or not in exploring mm-hmm. their identity. Um, mm-hmm. What do you, what do you see around, you know, issues yeah. like that? I think it's really interesting because I've seen that um, discussion on social media. I've I've had people maybe ask me, or I should say, uh, maybe make their own comments on social media and say, well, this is this because their parent is that, you know? And, um, but I feel like in real life, that's not always the case. I have certainly met um, 
parents of, you know, African descent, I'm just trying to keep it general, but, you know, parents of African descent that are like, I don't want you to wear certain um, Afrocentric hairstyles. And I, I, I love the fact that when we straighten your hair, it looks more European. So I want to do that more. And I want, you know, to push that for you. And maybe I feel that your hair is better than mine. So I'm going to make sure I say that to you. Um, and I've seen the white parents that are like, I'm writing a book on how to hair, how to hair care for curly hair. I've been reading and I've been going to this and that, and I know how to do these types of cornrows now. And I mean, you get all sides of it, or you get the mom that's like, okay, maybe I don't know how to do it myself, but we, we are going to go shop for hair. We're going to go, you know, go to the salons. We're going to consult the aunties in our community. And um, so I, I don't, I really don't find that and you know I have, I have a limited exposure um it's not like I have a humongous sample size but I I just have seen it all I I certainly have seen the black moms that are like I'm gonna hook you up and your hair's gonna look cute um but like I said I've seen the black moms that are like no you know I'm gonna spend all this time making sure it's straight and I want you to present you know like flaunt it that way you know for my do it for me kind of thing it's like their own issues kind of coming out so i've i've seen all signs well this is this is fascinating i think i've thought about the multiracial experience in terms of how we navigate the world like going to school and going to work and how we explain ourselves to others and how we put together an identity but what i'm hearing um is how our the makeup of our parents not just their racial makeup but their relationship to their race, their yes. ethnicity, and then their relation to how they, how they understand mixedness and yeah. how they can hold it or not hold it and how yeah. that really does impact us. It really does. Yeah. I mean, that to me, that's why I, I, like I said, I really try to focus a lot on parents because a lot of the child's perception of themselves is going to come from the messages the parents are giving, whether they realize they are or not, you know? And so my interest mm -hmm. is helping them hear some of the messages that they're putting out there and uh, and make sure they're okay <laughs> with those with those messages or if they're like oh shoot I did not know I was doing it that way okay how can I say this differently or how can I how, what do I need to do for myself to shift away from that sorry I was just going to say that I, I this is not a mother I worked with directly but um, I was doing a, a a co-led workshop, but this was a mother who is African-American. And she said just by the phenotype of her mixed race child was so disruptive to her. She put herself in therapy because she was just like, I, this is too much to see a reminder of like all the experiences that she had growing up with darker skin and different hair and whatever being represented right in front of you as like a little cute little four-year-old girl. She was like, I can't even handle it. So I was like, good for you for trying to go somewhere and on a weekly basis, be like, help me, <laughs> help me still be present for my kid, even though it's making all these issues come up for me. So, you know, it, it is quite deep, I think. So, so do you ever get clients who, I'm thinking parents, but, but maybe it's other folks 
who aren't forthcoming about their racial experience where where you feel like mm, I, I need to bring this into the room or I need to point to race, ethnicity, some aspect of identity. Oh yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um oh and okay. I mean I think that's with my private practice, but also with the parent coaching that I do. Um I make it a point to try to gently enough, you know, put that in front of on, on the table for them to look at and and address because it is going to come up. It is it is very important. And I think that a lot of times they may not have investigated some of their motivations for a lot of their racial existence, you know, and, and the ways that they carry themselves. So quite valuable, I think, to to at least address that and see how far they want to, you know, look into it. That's for mom and for dad, by the way. It might be hard to generalize, but how how is that received? I mean, I, I think, you know, it's it's received well. It's it may not be comfortable, but I think it's received well because I am not trying to do a gotcha moment. You know, I'm I'm really <laughs> trying to <laughs> empathetically be like, hey, hold on. Did you hear that you just said one, two, three, or now you're concerned about this? Like, does this relate to that? Oh, you know, then, you know, you guys, you're your therapist also. So <laughs> that moment of like, oh, shoot, now I hear it. Oh, okay. You know, I think most of the time, I guess it's fair to say the parents that I'm working with already had some opening where they wanted to visit some of these topics. I don't really work. I don't find that the parents that are totally closed off are are wanting to work with me anyway, because they're just like, those are the ones that call me a racist and say I'm the problem because you just talk about race too much and you're part of the issue. If everybody just didn't talk about it, we would all be better. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like there's no gently, I don't know, even know where to start with that. <laughs> so yeah. And mm. they're not looking for my services either. So it's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Self-selecting there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Mm. Well, Jen, do you have any advice uh, or thoughts about, you know, how other mental health professionals, um, you know, for them who want to improve their competency or their awareness in working with multiracial clients? Yeah. I mean, I, I think for me, it's books. <laughs> like, maybe not everybody is into reading the research articles. They can be really difficult to digest and understand and I don't know. There's a whole thing we could talk about with like, why do academic papers have to be written that way? Like nobody talks like that. But um, I do think there are a host of books that if there is a therapist out there that is wanting to work with this population, you, you've got to, you have to at least read those. And I mean, like some of the older ones, um, kind of edited by Maria Root, like the multiracial experience or or mixed race. What is the mixed race people in the United States? Something like that. I mean, there's it's they're big, but they have chapter after chapter about all of these topics written in a way that's very digestible and easy to understand. Um, then there's a more recent book of Raising Multiracial Children by Farzana Nayani. And I think that's another really great place to find, okay, background history but also 
mixed race people in the workplace, mixed race people in schools, you know, like you get all these different ways that she addresses um, where the mixed race experience shows up. So that, that to me would be my kind of biggest piece of advice is just like spend the time of reading about, I don't know, 10 of these books, because it, it will just give you that foundation. Like we all need to have the, the beginning, middle and more recent of the topic you want to be about. I, I really would advise against, and I only say this because I met certain people that are, that are mixed race, but have not really read anything about it. And they're just like, well, I'm mixed race. So then I can do this thing. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, um, but can you, because have you investigated your own stuff? And like, do you know what other people have already mm-hmm. found? And like, people have actually talked to large populations of these people and it's not just your opinion and your experience and so we can really do a disservice um without gathering what the nerds have found about this population yeah absolutely yeah so jen i have i have one last question for you um your social media presence it's beautiful yeah it's amazing (laughs) What motivated you to get started and what motivates you to keep going? Oh man. Well, I think, um, before I started my private practice or after I started my private practice, I think there were a few of my colleagues that were like, Oh, you know, we're living in an era where it's like, if you don't have a website, if you don't have social media, like you don't exist. And I'm like, what, what does that even mean? You know? So I guess I, took it literally in a sense of like, I guess I better do it. I just felt like it was a directive that I had to do. So I kind of fumbled around for a while to sort of, you know, learn how to just create, I don't know, stuff that maybe people would want to read. But once it, once I, I don't know, I guess once it started to click for me that I'm like, oh, wait, people are actually going to these, to the world of social media for information they're maybe they're not going to the books and they're not going because I always would always feel like I'm just saying what's already out there like why what does this matter what's the point but when I realized that there were people that are just looking for snippets and they're not Mm -hmm. reading a book and they don't know the experts um and and they are really like struggling they're just like I I just want to understand even a little bit about my kid then I was like oh okay maybe I could give them that and it kind of helped me I don't know conceptualize like okay this is what I'm doing because I don't know how to do that this is my outfit of the day and oh look at my coffee like I don't know I don't know how to do any of those things (laughs) so yeah I just it it just became another version of me because you know I, I used to teach so I'm like oh it's like my students are just inside of my phone. Okay. I can do that. <laughs> you know, mm, an extension of what you're already doing. Mm-hmm. Bite-sized yeah, pieces. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm still figuring it out, but, but yeah. Mm. Well, Jen, I think that's, uh, that's, that's it for today. This has just been so lovely and just really rich. Mm-hmm. Thanks yeah. for having me. This was fun. I like doing these kind of things. <laughs> mm, thank you so much. Yeah. Well, Jen, is there anything you want to plug either your Instagram or your website or um, I know I've opened up some courses that are available. So 
Yeah, I mean, I guess the the easiest thing is that if if you know if people want to know more than the I think pretty much all the social platforms is Dr. Jen Syke, so it's D R J E N N P S Y C H. So I'm I'm really on Instagram the most, but I do have a TikTok and Twitter and whatever. But I just I don't I don't know I can't learn all the things, so I try. But Instagram is the one that I. <laughs> know the most and my website is also dr jen psych and um i guess for any i feel like this is a podcast for clinicians but if there are parents i i do have a, the online community um which is its own app and that's called the mixed life academy which you can download from you know your iphone or android and there'll be much more information you know coming about that soon so i'm super excited about that but yeah those are those are the main places to find me. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to Multiracial Mental Health, a monthly podcast where mixed therapists center and explore the lived experience of multiracial people, couples, and families. Multiracial Mental Health, the podcast, is an ACAST production and a project of the Multiracial Mental Health Clinician Directory at www.multiracialmentalhealth.com. Mental health is a journey, and we're here to support. If you've enjoyed the episode, be sure to like us, share the show, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and all the usual places where content can be found. 